Welcome to Leadership 2020. I'm Claire Carpenter. So I'm joined this afternoon by Victoria Hills. Victoria is the Chief Executive Officer for the Royal Town Planning Institute. So thank you, first of all, for making time this afternoon to join me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I'm really interested in talking to you, Victoria, about what it means from a leadership point of view to have a team of people working with you and for you and and get the most from them, really sort of plug into what's motivating them to be high performers so what does that feel like for you? Well for the main part it's a real privilege because you spend a large part of your career wanting to do the best you can aspiring to move onwards and upwards and when you actually get into a position of leadership yourself it is a privilege it's a responsibility to your staff to the company or organization you're working for so the starting point for me is I never take leadership for granted I understand the power and impact that I can have as a leader. I've seen it with good and poor leaders, how behaviours can be mimicked Mm. or aped. And so I'm very conscious that how I behave, how I speak as a leader will embed itself in the culture of an organisation. So I take the responsibility very seriously. Yeah. And and you really can see that, can't you? You can definitely see the sort of cascade of your own behavior through your team absolutely I've seen it coming into the organization that I've just joined I've been there for nearly six months so I'm nearly through my probation <laughs> but I bring in a slightly different narrative a slightly different dialect I've been working for the mayor of London for the last 15 years in a very political fast-paced highly charged environment And I now moved into an organisation that's 104 years old, steeped in history, tradition and experience. So I bring in a slightly different lens and therefore a slightly different language and a narrative. And I can already hear staff using my words. And that's the biggest indication to me that as a leader, people listen, but they also mimic you, whether conscious or subconscious. So there is a responsibility to be really clear what you're saying and how you say it, because that will infiltrate the entire culture of the organisation from top down or all the way down. So I can see that already with staff. They're using words that I've brought in that I don't think they used before. And that makes me smile. But it also makes me realise, be careful what you say. (laughs) Don't be flippant, because that will also be listened and, and perhaps copied as well. Yeah. Oh, there's some really powerful, something really powerful there about not underestimating your impact, isn't there? Yes, you do think as an individual, oh, it's only me, you know, it's only Victoria, I'm I'm not that interesting, I'm. why would anyone want to copy or anything I do or say? But when you have a title like Chief Executive in front of your name or after your name, it suddenly beha- changes the way that people perceive you, the way they talk to you, the way they behave with you. It's only a title, it's a few words, but it changes people's perceptions. So it's not about having an overinflated ego or feeling all-powerful. It's being respectful of the power and influence that you have and harnessing it in the best way for the organisation or company that you mm. work for. So you're nearly six months into a new role and so a team perhaps that you've come into as well. When you think about that new team then, what sort of strategies do you employ to get them doing what it is that you want them to do? 
Well, it's an interesting position I find myself in because my last job was setting up a mayoral development corporation. And when I started back in 2014, I had one member of staff. When I left in April, I had nearly 50. And so I'd completely shaped the structure, the culture, the sorts of people that were coming in. I'd been involved in directly employing a fair number of them. And compare that to an organisation of 104 years old with 80-odd staff, and I haven't employed a single one of them. Mm. So it is a really good question because none of these staff have chosen to come and work for me. They were already there. So how can I get them brought into the agenda that I have developed and agreed with the board who agreed to employ me? For me, the starting point was communication and dialogue and being really clear about my objectives. And I thought long and hard about how I could possibly summarise all the things I would want to do about planning and the planning profession and all the things that need fixing and make it into an easily digestible and understandable narrative to staff. And I came up with something probably about sort of three o'clock in the morning as one does (laughs) about the sort of important things for planning, which is about demonstrating the role of town planners in delivery, in being able to make good decisions. I also thought there's a, a need to increase the diversity of the profession so it can be more representative of communities. And then I'd been involved in some digital planning work in my last job, and I thought actually disruption is something we need to get ahead of the game on. And there I came up with it, my four Ds. And it was a really good way of articulating to the team coming in I've got four things that I think are really important now. So that was my first meeting with them, which is fine. There's sound bites, but what does all that mean in terms of corporate strategy? Well, we're getting to that. But actually, regular communication with staff, seeing a new chief executive coming in, running here, there, everywhere, because it's a national role. I've got staff up in Edinburgh and Wales and Northern Ireland and Ireland, meant I wasn't going to be in the office very much. So I took with me a tool that I had in my last job. I did a a weekly Monday warm-up email to all staff with an open diary of this, this is where I am. These are the key places I am this week. These are the key strategic priorities for us as an organization. So two or three things that we are working on. And here's a thought for the week. And I send that out every Monday. And it's been extremely well received by our staff because they fed back that perhaps they weren't always as well cited on what was going on at the strategic level. And whilst they were sort of working really, really hard on their piece, whether that be on the membership team or the finance team, the comms team or the education team, for me as a leader, it's really important that everybody understands how they fit into that wider piece and what it is we're trying to do at strategic level. Notwithstanding the fact some of the terminology might be a bit sort of, I don't really know what that means, but I try and describe it in a way that's really simple without being patronising so that it doesn't matter if you're the lady on reception, you're the guy running IT or you're my director of education, you all understand what's going on that week and what's important that week so you feel part of it. So regular communication. And then something else I did, which again inherited from my previous experience, was having regular senior management team meetings Mm -hmm. so I like to start the week as a means to go on so I introduced a Monday morning meeting we it's actually slipped to the afternoon but it's fine it happens on a Monday and rebranded our executive team senior executive team brought in a couple of national directors who weren't part of the team previously so broadened the strength of the team and we have a weekly meeting and we go through and capture 
everything from risks to issues to what's important for that week. But most importantly, and this is my public sector background, I brought in a really open and transparent way of making decisions, whether that be on staffing or spend, so that any conversations in corridors that may or may not have happened previously had all gone. Why is that important for leadership? Because it's sending a really strong message out to the team that we are being an open and transparent organisation and nobody is going to get any favours with me. We're going to have open discussions as a management team about jobs, bringing staff in, money might need to be spent on something. We take those decisions as a team. Mm. And for me, that's demonstrating good leadership, which is, and I've seen it in last jobs where people sort of sidle up to people and they get them on their side and they get things done. That culture is not for me. I just want it to be, for example, if two directors don't agree, rather than us have several weeks of argy-bargy on it, we'll just get it round the table on a Monday morning and we'll find a solution. If we can't find a solution, we'll come back next week. Mm. So that's been quite a long answer for you. But communication was my starting point to get the staff understanding where they fitted in and that they're all playing a really valuable role. Really interesting. Some of the key words I'm hearing in what you're saying there are, of course, around communication. Um, you've said transparency several times as well, and that sort of clarity and, and regularity of meeting as well. What sort of response have you seen in terms of a change of behaviour or the continuation of behaviour that you're looking for from that? I think we're on a journey. So we're moving from teams being a bit more in competition with each other or working very much in their silos which isn't that unusual in many organizations this happens it's not unique to any one particular organization we're on a journey to where I hope we'll get to as one team just today we've been with some space consultants because one of our problems is we're located on four or five different floors so we're looking at what we can do to sort of change that and actually get working closer together so the reception I've had has been extremely positive But I have to take any feedback I get with a slight pinch of salt because at the end of the day, people tell you mostly what they think (laughs) they want to hear. So I try and stay closer with all of the team to to get feedback. But seriously, we do want a staff survey. We haven't had one for a long time. And I think that's going to be a really good way to to get some open and honest feedback, which, which is much needed because... If you want to understand what is needed to change in an organisational culture, you need to understand how the staff feel now. It's a bit overdue, so we're going to crack on with that. But, you know, I've, I've had lots of good feedback, particularly from my regional coordinators who are all home workers, saying it's really great to have your weekly email because we now know what's going on. Mm. And then I have, it's not just one way, of course, because the other way is... All of the meetings that I've listed out that I'm having that I haven't possibly got time to pick up the phone and speak to everybody I need to who might be related to these work areas, the staff are proactively getting in touch with me off the back of it and saying, oh, I see you're meeting with X. Here's a copy of a meeting note when I met with their team recently or here's the top three things you need to know going into that meeting. So it's a really smart way of working because I can't possibly know what everybody's up to. Mm. But in them knowing where I'm going for the big high-level meetings, they're getting me the intelligence through. So it works two-way. And then they feel rewarded because actually, wow, what I was working on, which I thought was down here, that's gone straight up to the chief executive. She's going to use that at the meeting she's going into with the director of this or minister of that. And 
that makes them feel, you know, even more part of the team. It's worthwhile then. Thinking about the subject of motivation and how, as a senior leader, uh, you plug into that, what else do you do to, I guess, galvanise performance in your people? There are a number of things. Some of them are more fun than others. Um, <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the more standard ones, measuring delivery and galvanising performance is really important. So we're moving away from an annual, did we achieve what we said we were going to, to a monthly dashboard oh. because a very light touch dashboard, but just sort of, you said at the start of the year in your service plan, you're going to do X, let's monitor the delivery. And that's an incentive because it brings in smart program management techniques, which to be honest with you, is not normal landscape territory for most professional bodies. You know, most professional bodies are learned in societies, they do a lot of research, they do a lot of debate, policy and influence. They're not really project management type organisations, but I can galvanise delivery by focusing on focusing on delivery. So, you know, 12 times a year, you'll, you'll share that dashboard and, and that will be that piece of paper that you do, that dashboard will, will inform my chief executive's report to the board. So if I don't know about it, then I can't tell them the good stuff you're doing. So that's the kind of less interesting one. I think in the sort of more fun one, in the past, I've picked up that the all team away days have been very much a work day the whole day has been about working and you know work, let's work on this policy let's work on that strategy so in my position of leadership and power I've been able to look at the program HR put together and say do you know what we'll do some of that we'll do that in the morning but in the afternoon I want a team building exercise come up with some ideas for team building and I sort of had to help them a bit sort of fun okay I'll give you some pointers you know ping pong bowling <laughs> darts karaoke whatever and and we are actually in a couple of weeks time having our first all staff away day that is working in the morning having a lunch and then we're all going and playing bowling in the afternoon and I think that sends an important message to staff that myself and the board of trustees because I've discussed these sorts of things with my chairman, value the opportunity for staff to work closer together and that opportunity to have some informal networking will drive better performance because if you know people understand where they're coming from, you're more likely to sort of be a bit more helpful if they come to you with a problem rather than, sorry, I'm busy, go away. Mm. So I want to move away from the sorry I'm busy go away to a bit more okay how can I help and I think some of the team building opportunities that can come through a bit of innocent fun like that in an inclusive environment that isn't oh let's all go down the pub after work which is fine in some occasions but that doesn't work for everybody actually within core hours two to four we're going bowling those sorts of things which sound quite trivial can go a long way so what I've heard from my heads of service and directors is that's gone down incredibly well. We've never done anything like that before. Mm. It's got to be handled in a way that's not going to end up in the headlines. I don't think anyone will be that bothered about it. But do you know what I mean? Sort of yeah. in the world I came from, <laughs> if I take the mayor's team out bowling at the afternoon on taxpayers' money, I'll yeah. probably get in a bit of trouble on that. But I'm in a slightly different territory now. I work for members and I can justify that yeah. to members. This is about building the team to deliver for you. So... 
So I'm really interested in how much your team might know about you then. So there's this concept of the sort of vulnerable leader, also the the leader that shares something about them personally with people who work for them in order to encourage them to do the same. What's your view on that? Well, my view on that is a couple of different views. One is, if I'm honest with you, I'm still working that out. So my own particular journey started in in leadership I mean I was a head of transport back in 2012 but that was for a small team but it's a leadership position but then I moved to be a director in 2014 setting up this Merrill Development Corporation and within, within the space of seven months I moved from being a director to an interim chief executive then got confirmed permanent chief executive and found myself running a a larger organisation and this is my second chief executive role so you're not speaking to somebody who's done sort of decades of senior leadership I'm still finding my feet as to what sort of leader do I want to be mm. I certainly don't want to be the ice queen or the queen bee or any of those other analogies and so I have thought about how can I show that yes I'm hard work and expect a lot from staff but actually I'm just a person so I did something I've never done before in a, in a previous job, but at the back end of the summer holidays, I brought my kids into the office and walked them around the floor. Some of the staff may have known I had kids. Some of them probably didn't know I have kids. Mm. The ones who think, how does she do it? Well, we just picked up the au pair from Germany the day before, so I, I tied the two things together, which was introduce her to London and show the children where mummy works because what is work to a four-year-old and then seven-year-old what does that mean not very much I would imagine and I wanted them to see it but actually it also gave the opportunity for my staff to see that although I'm out there doing big meetings lots of public speaking holding my own up against certain feisty individuals publicly I am actually a mum as well so I'm hoping that was uh, kind of make me a bit more personable, if you know what I mean, to my staff. I would never have done something like that in my last job, but I think coming into the new role, that's important to show that you're not just hard work the whole time. <laughs> there yeah. is more to, there's more to life. I think something else I've, I started doing the last role and I did in this role was somebody pitched an idea to me about doing a relay run around the Thames. Some of the staff who are smart follow me on Instagram. I, I do Twitter for work, but I do Instagram a bit more places, people, fitness. So she'd worked out that I'd like to run. So she pitched it to me and said, can we do a team? And I looked at it, I was like, yeah, let's do a team. So I said, we'll take the time out of the office and we'll do a team relay as part of this wider run the river in the summer. So we did that. So I think those sorts of things, so a couple of times, two, three times a year, doing something that isn't a natural chief executive thing to do, mm is quite important but I'll be honest with you I'm still finding my feet because I'm quite new to this leadership stuff (laughs) relatively speaking I've only been a chief executive since 2015 so it's early days I've got a few more years left yes I think you have (laughs) quite a few more years left um oh so interesting that uh, the difference between accessibility and overexposure isn't it that's a interesting sort of line to walk yeah, I'll give you, yes, the overexposure one. I'm very conscious that there are times where I need to leave an, an event early or I shouldn't be there in the first place. Mm. So there may be leaving drinks and it's appropriate for me to come along, give a speech, be there for a bit, but actually do the staff really want me there when they're letting their hair down on a mm. Friday night? No. 
I got an invitation to go to our annual Young Planners Conference, which is a kind of Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I was asked to close the conference on a Saturday. I wanted to do that. I went up and did it, not least because I used to be convener of the Young Planners panel over 20 years ago and was involved in organising these conferences when I was a student member. But I was asked, will you come to the gala dinner on Friday night? You know, it's it's the big kind of knees up. And I, and I said, you know what, I don't think I will, actually. Whilst it would be fun, I'm not actually sure that all the young planners want to see the chief executive on the dance floor. It's, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's appropriate. Mm. So there is a balance, you know, knowing where you should be and knowing where you shouldn't be and then knowing when to leave. Yeah. Those sorts of things are, are quite important. So, that, so I guess what we're kind of talking about here is developing relationship with your team that works in both directions, isn't it? That you're accessible enough and open to having discussion with them and yet you, know, you sort of draw the boundaries around that. Thinking about where you want to take that to, like what what's the ideal of that look like for you? How, how would you like that relationship to work? Well, we're on a bit of a journey, as I say, with the organisation that I've that I've joined. And there are certain things that I did in my old place that I'm not doing yet, but I might like to get to, but might set hairs raising amongst some quarters. But I'll give you an example. I used to run surgeries. So once every couple of months or however much my PA could accommodate it, we would block two or three hours out in the morning and staff could book in to have 15 minutes with me, anybody, and they could come and talk to me about anything. Mm. And, you know, invariably that's a moan about a member of staff or how much work they've got, and I would just listen. The reason why that can be uncomfortable is obviously if you're that person's manager, <laughs> you, you might be a bit rattled by the fact of, well, what, what are they going to talk to the chief executive about? But I thought, well, what have we got to, what have we got to hide? And it was just, I wanted to be accessible to the staff rather than just sort of, because I was out of the office a lot in that job as well. Mm. Now, I haven't done that where I am yet, but I think I might get there in due course. We used to do a lot more social stuff. I would do a monthly tea and cakes. So at the moment, we've gone from, as I understand it, staff meetings that didn't happen every month to, I now have a staff meeting every month. Mm. If I can progress that to a bit more of an informal environment with tea and cakes, we used to do stand-up meetings um, rather than sitting in the ballroom where I would say you bring the tea and I buy the cakes that used to work really well where I'd like to get to is an organization where our attrition levels are industry standard or better than we're attracting the best talent that we can do because they want to come and work for the RTPI and we're able to retain that best talent and we're able to drive ultimately the business goal of our particular business goal, which is driving membership mm. um, internationally, but having the best team there to do that. That's where I want to get to. But there's a number of steps I've got to go through before I get there. So I guess just sort of finally, Victoria, thinking about some of the steps that you've just been talking about, it strikes me that timing is important for you in terms of the pace of change within a new role, a relatively new role still. What advice would you give to somebody perhaps now about to take on either a new role within their own organisation or stepping into a, a completely different one as a senior leader in terms of what you've learned over the last few months? Well, some observations. There's a mix between doing some things quickly and taking your time. So you need to come in and do something, maybe two or three things. Otherwise, staff will question, what's the change? But... You don't want to come in and do a big bang because that will rattle and unsettle staff. So you need to take your time to observe what's going on, 
to get under the bonnet of the organisation and your staff working for you. I was very fortunate coming in that my head of HR suggested we do, funnily enough, some leadership analysis. So we brought in a company who will remain nameless to look at how we can get the executive team to work better together. And this has been fascinating for me because every individual director gives feedback on each other and I give feedback on them and we're, we're come, the work's coming to an end. But one of the bits of feedback that I've had, early feedback, is that they all feel that I'm quite pacey. But I can't help that because I come from a very fast-paced mayor's office environment. So it's been really helpful for me to get some sort of leadership advice or consultant to get in with this with your senior team quite early to work out the strengths and weaknesses of that team mm. because you don't really want to change anything with that team until you understand the team better and also to get that anonymous feedback quite early on it's been really helpful for me personally because it can help me work out where it's good to keep the pace on and where I might need to sort of you know have some baby steps on certain areas and let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater or let's not scare the horses sorry I'm terrible for these analogies <laughs> I can't help it I blame someone I used to work for she she had she had the ball but at the same time it is a balance because you can't just sort of sit there and say I'm going to take my time I'll see you all in six months when I've worked out what I want to do because that won't cut it either so coming up with a balance of quick things you want to change that aren't going to upset too many people but are enough to let people know that you mean business and at the same time, having a look at the, the leadership team quite early on. And I probably would have moved forward a bit faster with the staff survey as well. But happenstance, there's a lot of other things going on. Mm. And being very, very clear with your whoever agrees your objectives. I have a, an, a, an appraisal panel of three board of trustees. Being very, very clear with them and they be clear with you what it is they want you to do. Mm. And then... When you've got that clarity, sharing it with staff. That's unusual for chief executives to do that. Obviously, I didn't share the whole three pages with all war and peace on it. But in terms of the overarching objectives, these are the 15 or 16 things that I've agreed that I'm focusing on. Then it's very clear to staff where the priorities are. and But it's even clearer to those staff who feel a bit upset or aggrieved that the thing that they wanted to be a priority isn't, I can be honest with them and say, but this is what the board have asked me to do. Mm. And yes, I agree, we'd like to do that, and we will do that, but we need to get through this first. So clarity and transparency again and communication. Absolutely. High on your agenda. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that with us this afternoon. It's really interesting and obviously wish you continued huge success with your new role. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a rating and review to help others find out about the show. This is a Podo podcast produced by Nick Hilton in association with Corndell. Thank you.